Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spade. He's one of our elders, and here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. This is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets, where we open up the Old Testament, we move through the narrative and the text, and we see how it impacts us today as the church and how it how that text connects to Jesus. Um, if you're listening listening to this on the Heart and Heads podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And make sure to comment down below. Um, if this ministry has blessed you or you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, I want, I want to encourage you to head over to that website. At the top of the page, we have a donate button that uh, take, will take you to PayPal, and you can partner with us as we seek to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Again, church, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, let's pray. <laughs> if, guys, we're laughing, but never mind. We'll, we'll explain it to you in a minute. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here this, this, this evening. We pray your blessings upon us as we study. Help us to learn the things that we need to learn and, and help us to apply the things we need to apply so that we can be everything that you want and need us to be. We know, Father, from the scriptures that what we're reading and studying is, was there, is there for our learning so that we might be encouraged and we might be, have comfort. And I pray, Father, that you help that, us to find those sayings as we study these, these Old Testament sayings. Father, thank you, and bless us, and thank you for your Son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. All right, so we're going to be in Numbers uh, chapter 5, and, and we're actually going to pick it up with verse 11. This is why we were laughing. Um, you know, We debated whether we're going to do this or not. You know, yeah, there, there was some discussion about whether we're going to do this. But Cole won. I, so if this I, thing falls apart, it's your fault. Well, and I, I'm in favor of looking at, I like looking at these, these what we would consider today to be very bizarre texts. Bizarre? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely right. So Don't take this to heart, but I mean, some yeah. of this. Well, I mean, it's, so I mean bizarre in the sense of, you know, 21st century United States has a very naturalistic and rationalistic outlook yes and this stuff that we're going to look at today seems like sorcery you it know? does i mean it seems like it seems like you know i grew up in the rio grande valley and i grew up uh among a very uh hispanic population it's like 98 percent hispanic and a lot of their kind of like their folklore type remedies i encountered a lot of that working on the ambulances and i, I remember coming coming to patients' homes and, and the, the grandma coming out and saying, you know, no, mijo, everything's going to be okay because I, I cracked the egg under the bed. And, like, I'm used to encountering that type of thinking, this this almost like, you know, folklore type, mm -hmm. healthcare type type stuff. And while this isn't healthcare per se, these remedies that we're going to talk about in, in Numbers 5 or 6, 11, 5, 11, five. 11 starting in 511, they seem like that a lot. They seem like this really weird, and then it, it gets even stranger because God is commanding it. And so it's it's kind of a weird text, kind of a bizarre text. And, and understand, don't lose sight of the fact, guys, that, that this is, a, this is a God's, God's people, his nation of people, mm -hmm. that he's getting ready for a long journey. Yeah. That's what he's, he's getting them ready for a long He's getting them ready for a for a, a transformed life. Wait, he's getting he's getting them ready. He's giving them, remember, we're on the other side of the mountain. 
So we're in, we've entered the presence of God. Now we're leave, we're figuring out how do we live in this presence of God? God's going to dwell in the midst of his people. Mm-hmm. He wants to be, we know from the New Testament, God wants to be all in all. He wants to be one with us. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a shadow of that. This is a, a foreshadowing of that. Mm-hmm. So what does it look like when God dwells in the midst of his people? Yeah. What does he expect for his people? What, what does he want and this for them? Is, and this was all physical. Yeah, he, these are physical laws, physical rules. You're going to do this if if you find this, this or this. You know, I mean, we talked about it last week. If you have if you have a skin lesion or something, right. you got to get outside the camp. That's right. You know, and and what we're dealing with in our culture, in our religious culture, is a is a spiritual connection to God. God said, "I'm going to make a new covenant." That's right. And the covenant's going to, I'm going to write their laws on, my, on their minds and in their hearts. So we're going to have a spiritual, we have well, the indwelling of the spirit. In Ezekiel 36 and mm-hmm. 37, right? He says that, uh, I'm going to cut out your heart of stone. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. Yep. I'm going to give you a new spirit. And then I'm going to put my spirit in you yeah. to move you to do these things. These were, these were new covenant promises that yeah. we have now in yeah. Jesus. That they didn't have here. No. They had, no. The, they had God and they had the spirit of God. They had the, they had the, the indwelling of God, but it was an indwelling in a physical sense. Well, I mean, I, I think especially, I don't think I know. It's almost like people people all the time say things like, well, why doesn't God set up on a mountain? Why doesn't God just do that? Well, because God's done that. Mm-hmm. He's done that with the Israelites. He's He's done the whole set up on a mountaintop and just tell you what the expectations mm-hmm. are. Reveal myself and tell you what the expectations are. And what did we, what did we see? People are going to do what they want to do. But his plan always... That was only a precursor. Absolutely. absolutely. His plan always was to indwell his people. Absolutely. His plan always was to save his people through the blood of his son. His plan was always to take us to be with him on the holy mountain, the real spiritual place. Always. Because that's the only way that we can actually enter in and stay in the presence of God. That's exactly right. He's got to become our righteousness. He's got to give us the grace. He's got to give us the mercy. And this this is, like we said last week, it's a shadow. It's a precursor of what's to come for us. So we have to understand that when we read this. So let's get into this okay. kind of this kind of weird text. Let's get into it. it, it talk is. about it. It's, yeah. it's weird. Um, yeah. yeah. It's okay. It All right. So let's look at it. Verse 11. And, and look, I want to clarify. I don't mean any disrespect by saying that. No. There are some difficult texts in the Bible and, to deal with. I don't, you know, God is hands-on here. Okay? And he wants them to know, in no uncertain terms, I did this. I did it. You didn't do it. I did it. You know, when he when he calls Moses, Moses has a stick. It's a stick. All right. And he throws it on the ground and becomes a snake. Moses knows that that stick wasn't a snake. <laughs> He's not confused. He's not confused. You know, he knows who did it. Yeah. And, and God has to teach Pharaoh who's doing it. So he kills his son. You know, he, and, he, and he saves the people by putting blood on their house and said, you know, but everybody knew that there was that something had showed up. Well, when they have a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, what do they know? God showed up. We know today that God showed up because our, his spirit lives in us. Things happen in our lives that we can't explain because of God's spirit living with us. And so, you know, I don't need God. do. I don't need him doing this stuff for me anymore. God's doing things all the time in our lives. Absolutely. Let's all get the into the text. Okay. okay. So. Verse 11, then the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites. So again, what is going on here? 
You know, we I just taught I just taught on the gift of prophecy not long ago. This is prophecy. Yeah. This isn't Moses future telling. This no. is Moses relaying the word of the Lord. Fourth telling. Fourth telling. Yeah. Right. So then the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, If a man's wife goes astray and is unfaithful to him, so that another man has sexual relations with her, and this is hidden from her husband, and her impurity is undetected, since there is no witness against her, and she has not been caught in the act. And if feelings of jealousy come over her husband and he suspects his wife and she is impure or if he is jealous and suspects her even though she is not impure then he is to take his wife to the priest he must also take an offering of a tenth of an ephah of barley flour on her behalf he must not pour olive oil on it or put incense on it because it is a grain offering for jealousy a reminder offering to draw attention to wrongdoing this is really this is a very specific situation. Very specific. This is this is an incredibly specific situation. If you think she ha she's cheated, even if she hasn't cheated, if you're jealous of it, this is what... And if he said this is a offering for jealousy. Dan, why does this matter to God? What's, what's going on here? Why does God care? This seems like a very... This seems like a, a very specific... Like, I mean, I... The, the very, very personal, specific thing situation why is god in the middle of this you know i think that i think god's always always wanted to have our full attention mm. okay he's always wanted to be the the premier in our lives with adam and eve you know with with cain and abel you know he gave he, he wanted to be he wanted to be their world mm. and so when when we have two people that are that are living together, and I don't know about this culture, but in, you know, we have two people that are living together. You know, we both should be striving to to elevate God's presence in each other's lives. Mm. Okay, and when you're not doing that, and that person is is looking at it from a from a physical perspective, and they get just there's no room for being faithful and being committed to God when you're full of the in the, the sin of jealousy. And I think God is is in the middle of it because he knows how it detracts from your from your focus on him. Let's clear let's clarify. I think you're absolutely right. I think he, I think God is ultimately concerned about the family. Mm -hmm. Because absolutely. the family the family is representative of God. We get this in Ephesians chapter, chapter five. five. Mm -hmm. You know, we see very clearly that the the wife the husband and wife dynamic is is representative is, a, is in a way a foreshadowing <laughs> of the of the true church mm -hmm. and so of the universal church so in, in a very real way god cares about families but one of the things you said and i think we need to clarify it is you called it the sin of jealousy mm -hmm. god himself says that he is a jealous god mm -hmm. so is it the sin of jealousy or more more like where James would say to the church, you know, uh, my, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Not because anger is a sin, but because human anger, when humans experience anger and rule over it, it does not you produce why, the righteousness. Why is God in the middle of this? Because this is human. This is a human emotion. It's a human emotion of jealousy. And human emotion of jealousy is it's bad. It's bad. Sin. It's so we, sin. Be, and, and let's and let's clarify why. Why is it that God gets angry and it's never sin? Why is it that God gets jealous and it's never sin? It never is sin. And this is a side note from this, but it's important to understand this distinction. God is perfect. Mm -hmm. He knows all things. Mm -hmm. He knows the hearts of men. He can see everything. Mm -hmm. When he is jealous, he is righteous in his jealousy. When he is angry, he is righteous in his anger. 
humans being not fully aware of all things, not aware of all things. Now, I mean, look at what this, this guy could be jealous even though his wife hasn't done anything, right? And he, a spirit of jealousy has come over him and he's upset and he's angry and it's destroying and the start, marriage. now it's starting to disrupt the, phone, the home. Bingo. Mm -hmm. And when our families are disrupted, when our families are chaotic, when our families are off kilter, mm -hmm. when we're not looking to be servants to one another, right? As Ephesians 5.21 would say, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The husband submits through love. The wife submits through respect. This is how this mutual submission works. But when we're when someone is jealous in this relationship, it can't work. No. It can't work. And so God is giving them a remedy for this. Because the sin takes over. You know, it, it may have been it may have been bred out of jealousy, but it still becomes sin and it takes over. And who wins when the sin takes over? Nobody. Well the enemy. Well, yeah, but no nobody in that relationship wins. Nobody in that relationship wins. Nobody in that relationship wins. You know, I mean it does you you're not gonna win. It doesn't feel that way though. Well, yeah, because because you get your point across. You I mean if you're like like a lot of people, you know, I mean, I'm gonna argue until I feel like I won. I'm right, she's wrong. Yeah. Or he's right, I'm wrong. Yeah. And I'm gonna keep going until he knows it or she knows it. Yeah. Yeah. And that uh, that breeds contempt and hostility, and hostility, uh, feeling of of uh, inadequacy. Ugh. You know, I mean, uh, you know, it's it's just it's just it's just bad all the way around. That's why God's in the middle of it to stop it from from being the cancer that it is in a it, family. It, it's really interesting how God continually meets us where we're broken, mm -hmm. right? He doesn't. He doesn't. He's not sitting here saying to this this man. Right. In this example, it's this man. But don't be jealous. What's wrong with you? No. It's not what he's saying. No. He knows us. Mm -hmm. He knows us because he made us. Yeah. And so God's going to meet us where we're broken. He's going to meet us in this situation, this hum very human situation. And he's going to say, if you're here, whether she is actually cheating or she's not actually cheating, if you're here, this is what you need to do. And yeah. so it goes on from there. Yeah. The priest shall bring her. So we're going to do an offering. It's a grain offering for, je uh, for jealousy. So there is no olive oil on it. There is no incense on it. We don't have any of that. It's a, it's a jealousy for offering, a reminder offering to draw attention to wrongdoing. So could you imagine this? Your husband is putting this together. You know, I mean, let's think about this for a second. Let's think about how this would work. Because before we move on to the rest of it, what else is going on? We, you know, we talk about oftentimes putting ourselves in the text. Let's put ourselves in this situation for a second. You're a husband to a wife. The wife knows this as well as you do. You're putting this offering together and you're handing it to her. What does your wife say? What but, happens but, here? But you have to understand, we live in a culture that's not that culture. Mm -hmm. This culture, the woman was completely subservient. Mm. Okay, she was mm. she was being she was being led, nourished. Uh, That's true. Everything by That's the man. Point. So if the man if the man gives her this offering, she's not going to question it. You know, Sarah she's not have a Sarah, choice in it. Sarah doesn't question Abraham when he's taking Isaac off on the mountain. She didn't. He, she doesn't question it. She, we don't when, hear when, of any protests when he throws no, her out, no. basically. Uh, and, you know, I mean, when he tells her to lie to the, to the, the Egyptians, he doesn't, she doesn't, there's no protest. We don't see any protest. We don't hear any protest. There's none there because, because they're, they're, in they a, didn't have that opportunity. I don't think they did. I really don't. I mean, we don't, we don't know for sure, but 
It looks like it. It looks like that it might looks be the like way it. it works. It looks like it. So then who is this really for? Because it does say that, that Adam was, was the creative one. Yeah. The woman came as a help me. You know, I mean, and in our culture, I mean, you start talking like that and people want to, well, they want to turn through you and, and well, and you can cross. see, you can see the misunderstanding they had in that culture about it because Christ will say, when we unite in marriage, we're one, Yeah, you know, one's the head and one's the body, but what head hates the body and what body hates. And it the says head. in Galatians three, that in, in Christ, when we're baptized into Christ, there is it says that we're all one. There's all no one. Jew nor Greek, male nor female. We're all one. Now it doesn't mean that we, that we interchange roles. Well, and I, I think that's the difference. So we, we look at that passage out of Genesis and we say, well, the man was created first. And Paul will use that later in his, in his, mm-hmm. as theology for us to understand our roles. But I think we've taken that sometimes. And instead of looking at it from a perspective of roles, mm-hmm. God given roles that are very important, equally important, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we look at it and we say, well, the man, the man is over and more important than the woman, and that's not true. Not true at all. But these cult, we know these cultures misunderstood this. For example, the the certificate of divorce discussion that Jesus has with the Pharisees in the first century. Well, if it's not lawful for a man to divorce his wife, why did Moses say give a certificate of divorce? And what was Jesus' answer? Because your hearts were hard. Yeah. Right. So we know that there are these. God is dealing with these people within their culture with where they are at, mm-hmm. right? And the promise of the new covenant is we're going to give you a heart of flesh. We're going to take that hard heart away and give you a heart of flesh. So let's look at this from, from that perspective mm-hmm. then. Is this about fixing the husband or is this a shield for the wife? Well, I think, I think it's both. Okay. I think it, I think, uh, you know, I mean, he, if, if we continue to read this and you can read it out but it is it says if she's not done anything then then nothing can happen let's finish it out the priest shall break because i think i think this is a very important thing i think when we read this to something like this a lot of times we want to go oh you see they were they were they were mistreating women no and i'm starting to think that god put this in here for the protection of the wives yeah i think so the priest shall bring and and not just the protections of the wives but riding the ship yeah the priest shall bring her and have her stand before the Lord. So this this husband is is jealous. He thinks his wife is cheated. He gives her an offering. They they take it to the priest. And the priest shall bring her. Now remember, the priest is God to them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? He is when he stands before God, he's, he's a representative. He's the go-between. Of the people. He's right. a representative. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the priest shall bring her and have her stand before the Lord. Then he shall take some holy water in a clay. And that's that's that verse 16, I'm sorry, is probably the best example of of what a priest does. A priest brings people to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Man. Okay. 17. Then he shall take some holy water in a clay jar and put some dust from the tabernacle floor into the water. Okay. After the priest has had the woman stand before the Lord, he shall loosen her hair and place in her hands the reminder offering, the grain offering for jealousy. while He himself holds the bitter water that brings a curse. Then the priest shall put the woman under oath and say to her, If no other man has had sexual relations with you, and you have not gone astray and become impure while married to your husband, may this bitter water that brings a curse not harm you. But if you have gone astray while married to your husband, and you have made yourself impure by having sexual relations with a man other than your husband, here the priest is uh, with... So, but if you have gone astray while married to your husband, and you have made yourself impure by having sexual relations with a man other than your husband... Here the priest is to put the woman under this curse. May the Lord cause you to become a curse among your people when he makes your womb miscarry and your abdomen swell. May this water that brings a curse into your body so that your abdomen swells or your womb miscarries. 
Then the woman is to say, Amen, so be it. The priest is to write these curses on a scroll and then wash them off into the bitter water. He shall make the woman drink the bitter water that brings a curse, and this water that brings a curse and causes bitter suffering will enter her. The priest is to take from her hands the grain offering for jealousy, wave it before the Lord, and bring it to the altar. The priest is then to take a handful of the grain offering as a memorial offering and burn it on the altar. After that, he is to have the woman drink the water. If she has made herself impure and been unfaithful to her husband, this will be the result. When she is made to drink the water that brings a curse and causes bitter suffering, it will enter her, her abdomen will swell, and her womb will miscarry, and she will become a curse. If, however, the woman has not made herself impure, but is clean, she will be cleared of guilt and will be able to have children. This, then, is the law of jealousy, when a woman goes astray and makes herself impure while married to her husband, or when feelings of jealousy come over a man because he suspects his wife. The priest is to have her stand before the Lord and to apply this entire law to her. The husband will be innocent of any wrongdoing, but the woman will bear the consequences of her sin. Now you know why it's bizarre. <laughs> now you know we were debating whether we were going to do this or not. I, I understand the, the uh, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's Well, look, I think it's, I think it is a naive approach to this text to look at this and say, see, it's a patriarchal society. God is beaten up on these women. That's not true. That's not true. What you just talked about. It is, it is a patriarchal society, mm -hmm. but think of what protections the woman might have, right? It's a patriarchal society. If the woman gets kicked out of the house, she's done. And a man who is insanely jealous for wrong or right, what is he going to do to that woman? If, if, if you think about this logically, this is water and dirt. And scroll, right? But it's, it's water. It becomes bitter. It too. becomes bitter water when he puts the, the dirt in it. I've drank water with dirt in it before. Mm -hmm. Okay. It don't make my belly swell. Don't make nothing happen. But it's, it's not even bitter. I'm, I'm just, and, yeah. and then he writes the curses on it and puts it and washes it in the in the deal. All right, yeah. washes it off. The only reason it's bitter and causes anything is because God caused it to happen. Oh, well, I mean, well, that's that's the whole point that it's but, dirt from the tabernacle. But it's, it's still holy ground. It's still right? dirt. Well, okay. I quoted, but it's it's legitimately holy ground. At that point, this is this. It's in the tabernacle, right? So this is the presence of God. I'm, I'm not just, saying the dirt I'm is look, magical. I'm looking at it from <laughs> from a perspective. I'm, I'm I'm trying to think logically. I'm going. I'm looking. I'm saying it's water and dirt. It's like when Jesus spits in the mud mm -hmm. and he creates that paste. And he mm -hmm. puts it on that man's eyes. Mm -hmm. What's he doing? Yuck! Yuck! I mean, no. do we I understand mean, who's at work? Yes, and that's the whole point of all of this. Absolutely. Is that God is going to tell them through his means, they're going to look at it and say, wow, the problem is they take this stuff at some point and make it magical. Well, look, down the road. Look, it's it, someone takes a medicine and gets better. Mm -hmm. Someone takes medicine and dies. What's the difference? They're just going. They're, I mean, one sicker than the other. Uh, and and I'm going to I'm going to push on this a little bit. Right. Okay. We this is naturalism. Mm -hmm. This is rationalism. It's not godly. It's not okay. Mm -hmm. We we worship a god who is spirit. Yeah. Who who the son was incarnated through the, yeah. the birth of a virgin. Yeah. Right. We believe these things, mm -hmm. and we will stand on these all day. 
But then as soon as we start talking about anything else spiritual, we are, are the back of our hair rises and we get uncomfortable. Why? And we want to get an argument. And we want to get an argument. You know, I if you think that medicine you're taking is making you better. Yeah. Who's who's the author of life? We breathe every day. Look, I'm not saying that medicine isn't anything. I'm not saying that it doesn't have natural problem. I'm not saying any of that. But I'm saying we need to give God his due. When someone gets better, we need to give thanks to God. Mm -hmm. All good gifts are from above, from our Father of heavenly lights, in whom there is no shifting shadow. Mm -hmm. He is the author of life. So if someone gets better, we went and prayed over um, Daniel for months and months and months and months. Went over there and prayed over him. Mm-hmm. Every other, like every other day, every, I mean, I can't remember. Went we'd over get there and prayed over this him. And that would be where we'd go. We'd go over there, we'd pray over him. He was in a coma for, gosh, I don't know, two oh, months. A long time. So we, we went over there and prayed over him and prayed over him and prayed over him. Who worked? God did. Who worked? Now, I know the doctors gave him medicine, and I'm grateful for that. Paul will tell Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach. You, you told me one day we came out of there, he's not going to make it through the night. Because from your medical perspective, from your medical, you know, understanding, you know, there was things going on with him from monitors and stuff, you know, by all rights, he should die. That's what you thought was going to happen, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You said, you told, you said he's got air in his lungs or he's got a, 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 something in his lungs and he said he's not going to make it through the night. If they don't get a handle, he's not going to make it through the night. And, and it's a. Uh, and it was obvious to us that everything they were trying and even some of the stuff that they, they were doing by accident, because somebody did something by accident, almost killed him in there. And I mean, it set him back, it set his recovery set back. Set his recovery back a while. And, you know, it's obvious to me that God God healed that man. Uh, I don't know what for. I, 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 don't, I have no idea. I think, look. We want to control things. And in the 21st century in the United States, that takes the form of rationalism and naturalism Mm -hmm. because I can connect the dots. I can explain it. I can explain it. Mm -hmm. And if I can explain it, I can control it. Here's the the brass tacks. Here's the facts. We live in a spiritual world. There are spirits. These things exist. They're real. Okay. There are angels. Mm -hmm. There is an enemy. He's our enemy. Our, Our war is not against what? Flesh and blood, but against... The spiritual forces, spiritual evil, powers, and the okay. So these things exist. These things are real. Guess what? I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. I believe I have the Spirit of God dwelling within me. Mm-hmm. I believe this. I have faith in this. I have faith that God is working today. Shouldn't be scared of it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing magical about this dirt. There's nothing magical no, about this curse. No. This is how God communicated. He was working in their time. In their time. In in and the church that at the dawning of the church, He worked through apostles. Mm-hmm. That's how he worked. He worked through apostles. He worked through prophets. I believe that God works through you and the other elders today. If I didn't believe that, why would I listen to anything y'all say? Yeah. yeah. So here's the thing, And there guys. are many times today when he, when he powerfully works through the word. Someone, someone starts reading the word. Absolutely. And he works through the word. Absolutely. The word is the sword of the spirit. Yeah. You, can't move, you can't take that away. Yeah. I believe that when someone encounters the word, they're encountering. And you, and you hear the... You, you know, we just got the chance to listen to Glenn uh, talk about the work in Mexico, and and it's obvious that God is working, you know, through the church there. God is working in a powerful way through uh, uh, through His means and through people people there. I mean, you know, it's obvious that people are being saved, the gospel is being preached, and people are be, are coming to Christ uh, in a in a powerful way, and people are, be, are people are being transformed, and that's the power of the gospel. 
regardless of what we want to think about it, God works. Absolutely. And so this is how he worked then. And what, and we hit on that and it makes us uncomfortable because how he did it and what he did and what he said, but we need to understand why did he do this? Why did he tell them they must give their wife a certificate of divorce? It was for the protection of the woman mm-hmm. because these were a fa- this was a fallen culture. This was yeah. a culture coming out of slavery. We even see the patriarchs did not live up to the expectation. You know, we talk about a helpmate and I've talked about this before. I'll say it again and again and again. The actual meaning of that word is if you're going to paint the wall, a helpmate in our mind is someone who goes and gets you water, a, fe- a fetcher, a runner, mm-hmm. right? That's not what that is. Mm-hmm. This is the paint. Mm-hmm. We cannot accomplish the mission out of God without her. Mm-hmm. That's the that's what really and God is being saw that Adam. there. He See, saw that. He, what is the first thing that's not good for man to be alone? Yeah, it's not right? good for him to be alone. So why is God putting this stuff in here? Why is God doing this? Mm-hmm. Because he wants to fix the and, family? And the, yeah. The, but you, when you take it from a spiritual, spiritual perspective... When the first Christians were baptized in Acts chapter two, mm-hmm. three thousand of them, what they do? What they do? They they stayed in Jerusalem. These sure. were people that had come from all over the place because mm-hmm. it just said they heard all of them. They heard these apostles speaking in their own languages. Well, it was Pentecost. They yeah, gathered. They gathered over. just yeah. like we go to go to family. Well, they they stayed there. That's right. And they had everything in common. They had they had camaraderie. They had a bond. They, it was not good. God knew they can't just scatter and be alone. You know, it's not good for the church. The church has to. The church is the people, and it needs it. It needs each other. I'll the church that. feeds off of each other, and it you know it's not good for. You cannot be a Christian alone. No, I don't believe you can be a Christian alone. No, I don't. I don't think it works. So we walk in the light as He is in the light. We and have fellowship, fellowship with, with one, one another. another. And the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. Yeah. That happens in the church. That happens in the church. Well, not only are we a naturalistic, not only are we a rationalistic society, not only have we adopted these these types of ideologies, but we're also an individualistic society. And you see it. You see people saying, Well, I'm the most important thing. Well, I mean I mean No, you're look, not. I mean, look, they're they're doing they're doing now with AI, they're they're creating they're gonna create robots and that are that you will that will take the place of your mate. They're doing it already. You won't have to have anybody. You can have a robot in your life. No robot can take the place of a God-given mate. Of, of course not. You and I know that. It's you know, just not possible. But if we live in an individualistic society, yeah. it's only natural that we're going to create something to give us that camaraderie what, that we long for. And what, what it's going to do... Is it's gonna it's gonna be like pornography. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be pornography for those who are lonely, mm-hmm. and it it's not gonna satisfy them. It's no. gonna destroy them, no. just like pornography has destroyed an entire generation of people. Absolutely, absolutely. What I'm saying is, when you talk about an individualistic society, yeah, you take it to church and say, "Well, I don't really need to go to church. I don't need all them hypocrites. I can worship God on my own." No, you can't. You can't. The you lion, can worship. You can worship God, but you can't do it the way God designed it. When a lion goes hunting, what, what does it look for? It looks for a solitary, a solitary meal. Our enemy is a what? Yeah, he's a lion. Yeah, there's a meme that yeah. uh, this this group that uh, I used to follow when I was on active on a little bit more active on Facebook, and I, I shared it. But uh, it's a picture of this lion catching this singular gazelle, and it says uh, says the. Uh, to what the uh, I don't need the church <laughs> looks like. 
And I'm like, yeah, that's, I, I, that's I exactly saw right. One, I saw one that I talked to my class about, and it was a single lion, okay? And a, and a hyena a hyena comes after him, okay? Mm-hmm. And then they, and it, the, the lion's doing well, all right? And then another one, and then another one, and then another one comes. And pretty soon all you see is this lion's face up above this pack of hyenas, and, he, and his mouth is open, these teeth. And then all of a sudden you see this yellow streak, and it's another lion. And one hyena goes flying this way, and then one goes flying this way, and you see the pride has showed up. The church has showed up hmm. to protect the one that's being inundated by the demons and by the by the by the evil ones, and uh, and and it, that's where it is. It said you cannot do this alone. Cannot yeah. do this alone. That's why you need the church. You can't do it alone. So, and that's what he's that's what he's telling them here. It's 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 very simple. God cares about the family. Yeah. God cares about the woman. Yeah. And I think in this society, this whole ritual is put together for her defense. Yes. Because she has no defense. The what Lord I want to know. What defense. I want to know. What about when the guy's messing around? You want to talk about what's, I mean, let's, let's go look at, uh, Jesus and the woman caught in adultery and where, the, where's, where's the, guy? the guy, where's the guy, where's the guy. Yeah. All right. So I've I, thought that text many times. That's, First thing I ask is where's the guy. That's an excellent question. And what we need to understand when we come to the Bible, when we're dealing with these people, and this is why I always get out of sorts when people are like, well, the law is this perfect. No, it's not. No, it was given to a flawed people. Yeah. God dealt with them where they're at. Just like he deals with it was us done for one, where for we're one, at. It was to bring them to Jesus. That's what it was for. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity that we can deal with this text and deal with it rationally, logically, see what it looks like and see what it means to us and to understand that, Father, you are so powerful. You're in control. You know what needs to happen when we don't. You know what needs to be done when we have no clue what to do. And I pray, Father, that you help us to learn from these things. Help us to realize how powerful you are and how loving and compassionate and kind you are at the same time. Father, we, uh, we pray your blessings upon this church, and we pray your blessings upon our listeners, that they, will, that they will see you from a perspective that maybe they've never seen you before, that it will cause in them a transformation to start to happen, that will, that will bring them in a place where the, you can have a relationship with them, a relationship that you long for and that you plan for for all of eternity. Thank you, Father, for loving us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.